At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Now I have the privilege of welcoming another of our partners, Dr. Richard Oliveira, to the stage. Uh, Dr. Oliveira will be guiding us into God's Word today. Come on up, Richard. Uh, Richard is a great friend of Wildwood, a great friend of mine. So thankful for him. Um, Was blessed with the first service and his message. Excited to hear it again. Just so you know, uh, he is from Brazil, has been serving most recently in Europe, but also uh, last Sunday preached in Mozambique. So this is a man over the last 12 months who has preached and ministered on four continents and today he's right here with us at Wildwood. So join me in welcoming up Dr. Richard Oliveira. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. So thank you so much, Pastor Mark. So Johanna, my wife, and I, we arrived here last Monday. And these days uh, in Norman have been very encouraging for us. So thank you so much. We really appreciate the partnership that we have with Wildwood and the love way we welcome uh, you welcome us here, so thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate that. And today is Super Bowl, so we can watch as well. <laughs> I don't understand too much. I understand football, soccer, <laughs> but I don't understand too much Super Bowl. So, but yes, we served in Hungary in Europe context for a few years. Uh, we have been in many countries there and see such a big need. Uh, I serve as a leader of Bible school in Hungary, Word of Life Bible school. It was such a nice because we could pass the baton to the new leader, Hungarian one. A missionary, they should go and as much as, as, as fast as possible to pass leadership to the local leaders. And then they started the culture, the language. I don't speak Hungarian. And, and so we are so thankful because during our time there, we could help to pass the baton to a new leader there. And yes, we went to uh, Mozambique uh, in March. Oops, it's working? Uh, no. Yeah, Mozambique, you know, the south of Africa. Uh, they speak Portuguese. It was easy for me. Uh, and we, we served there with Word of Life. We spent there 21 days training young people. So it's such a nice thing to see that even among the poverty, difficult place and time, God is raising uh, so many young people, families, the church is growing there. And these young people, we spent a month there uh, in discipleship training. So I had a chance to, to give some lessons, some course, and Johanna as well, working with uh, the girls. And also, we spent four days training or talking with this team, uh, Word of Life team there. <clears throat> Only one couple is a Mozambique couple uh, from Mozambique and other couples from Brazil. So God is calling the church in Brazil also to go in many places in Africa as well to serve the Lord. So it's, 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 it's so nice to see this. But <clears throat> the task is huge. So this week, this missions week, uh, the team is a task unfinished. And God has a mission. And how can we be part of that? I have a question. The question is, what is the task that ahead of us? Uh, what kind of task are we talking about? What needs to be finished? 
Uh, what is left to complete this task? And finally, to complete this task, what should we do? How can you and myself be part of this challenge? So, first question. What is the task that we have ahead of us? The task is what God is doing in this world. And we can call God's mission. Before be our mission, it is God's mission. And how can we define God's mission? God's mission is to glorify himself by redeeming a people from among all peoples and restoring his creation. God's mission is not to build buildings, provide literature, provide education, dig wells. God's mission is to glorify himself by redeeming a people from among all peoples and restoring, in the end of uh, the age, restoring creation by creating a new heaven and a new earth. All these things are good. But they need to be aligned with the large mission as we have just defined it. The mission is not to improve people's lives or to improve society. There's a serious problem in the relationship between people and God and between people themselves. This is called sin. That's why Jesus came and became a human to provide salvation for everyone who believes in him. The mission belongs first and foremost to God, and we are part of this. So let's, read, let's see the scripture, the big picture, to understand God's mission for all people groups. So we start in Genesis, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created man and woman in his own image. Male and female, God created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful uh, and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Since the beginning, God already saw all the earth. He has all earth in mind. Humans are called to reflect God's image, to represent Him in this world, and to rule this earth with Him. So the idea is to fill the earth with more humans who are the only creatures that reflect God's image. Since the beginning, but in Genesis 3, however, we learn that sin has taken root in the man's heart, affecting his relationship with God, with other humans, and creation. But also we learn in Genesis 3 that God promised the coming of the descent of a woman who will be wounded, but who will defeat the serpent or Satan. Later we learn that this descent is Jesus of Nazareth. God himself begins to reveal and work out his plan of salvation. In Genesis 3, 6, we learn that sin and violence among humans are devastating. As a result, God chooses to bring judgment through the flood. Only Noah and his family found favor before God. Immediately after the flood, God gives Noah the same command he gave Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and what? And fill the earth. In Genesis 10, we have the rise of the nations, rise of the nations. In Genesis 11, we discovered that the whole world, there was only one language, one way of speaking. 
The people decided to build a city with a tower that could reach the sky. They wanted to be known and not spread over the face of the earth. And then the Lord came down to the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, If as one people speak the same language, they have begun to do this. And then nothing they planned to do will be impossible for them. So, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. So far, so good? We are together? How God is revealing His plan to spread His glory among all nations. Now we have a bunch of nations. And Genesis 12, God will call Abraham and his family and make his promise to him. And God said to him, I will make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. And all peoples, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Through, through Abraham, God formed the nation of Israel to bless all the nations of the earth. After Israel had been under Egyptian rule for 400 years, the Lord brought them out of the land of Egypt to lead them through the leadership of Moses to the promised land of Canaan. After freeing Israel from slavery, God made a covenant with his people and through a set of laws established rules for the personal and community life. The purpose was to be the nation set apart from pagan nations and to serve as a reference point for God and his values. So what God said to them through Moses, God said, you yourselves have, been, have, sent, have sent what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me, fully and keep me my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasure's possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And Peter later on will quote this verse. So God organized the nation of Israel for the purpose of blessing all the nations of the earth and this was their priestly function. Israel had to be holy and obedient to the Lord to represent Him worthily. And also the book of Psalms tell us, and we sing of the same purpose, and just start the service reading uh, 6-7. So look this Psalm 117, for example, that says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is the hold to love. Sorry, for the great is is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. You see, have many psalms talking about the same idea. May all the nation praise God. If you read the book of prophets, uh, also proclaim the, this purpose in Isaiah, for example, forty-five. We can read God saying to the nations, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. 
For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there all the pagans, nations, it is no other. Through all the Old Testament, we learn that God wants to be known among all peoples through his people. First, Israel. But unfortunately, Israel failed in its missionary purpose. However, since the mission belongs to God, so the missions will be accomplished. Amen? In the fullness of time, the Lord Jesus came to this world to fulfill his redemptive purpose. And after his resurrection, he commanded his disciples five times to make disciples of all nations. The well-known command is in Matthew 28. You can read, Then Jesus came to them, to the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations again. So the Lord Jesus is building now his church and his people must make disciples of all nations. The missions continue. Here we find the great commission, which cannot be the great omission or the great option. It's a commandment. The commandment is make disciples of all nations. And for the last 2,000 years, generation after generation, the mission has been the same. The church joins the Lord in the mission to make disciples of all nations. Now, we can see that much progress has been made during this time. But still, it is still a, work, a lot of work to be done. Will the mission be accomplished? Yes, for sure. Because in Revelation, we can read that after this, I looked, John, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From where? Every nation, tribe, people, and language is standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So we can see the big picture. We can see the future. I have a vision. We're still here, 2024. We don't, you don't know the end, but in the end, we know the mission will be accomplished. Representative of all nations and tribes and peoples and language will be together. Different colors, different peoples, different tribes will be together praising the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. Amen? In the end, we have the assurance that God's mission will be accomplished, will be finished. What's God's mission again? God's mission is to glorify himself by redeeming a people, such a dear people for God, from among all nations, and restoring his creation in the end. So this is the big picture we can see in the scripture, just a few verses, from creation to the consummation of all things. But what about today? We know that there, there has been a lot of missionary progress in the last 2,000 years, mainly in the last 200 years. However, the task is, is still unfinished. 
So that's the question. What needs to be finished? Let's look at the world, God's world, and realize what an unfinished tech it is. Because despite the progress made in the missionary work, there is too much to be done. But how should we see the world? Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, go. Actually, God commanded. Jesus commanded, go and make disciples of all nations. But the word nations here do not represent countries in their current form like Brazil, United States, or China, Afghanistan. This word applies ethnic groups, not organized countries as we have them today. The word here is ethnicity. So let's read together again. Go and make disciples of all ethnic groups or people groups. You can see a little different now, huh? Let's make, let's make clear. Make disciples of all ethnic groups. But what is a people groups? How can you define it? People groups are ethno-linguistic groups who share a common language and cultural identity. For a strategic purpose, a people group is the largest group with which the gospel can spread without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. So, if there are approximately 200 countries in the world, how many nations, how many people groups we have today? According to the Joshua's project, there are 17,281 people groups on the earth today. And among them, 7,246 are considered unreached. It's a big challenge, even today, challenging. So let's watch this video and to better understanding the task we must accomplish together with God. Understanding the remaining mission task. Who has already heard the good news about Jesus? And who is still waiting to hear for the first time? Nearly 10% of the world's population are committed followers of Jesus who believe Jesus is who he said he is, and who have given their lives to him. They believe anyone can know God through Jesus, and they tell people around them about him. Many other people identify as Christians. These other Christians need deeper faith in Jesus and a personal relationship with God through him. About 33% of the world's population identify themselves as Christians. But where do the world's Christians live? The good news of Jesus is spreading in the world, but not evenly. First, let's divide the world into regions by population, then show where the Christians live. Two countries, India and China, each have one-fifth of the world's population, so they will get their own section. The Muslim-majority countries also get their own section, because they are similar to each other. There are some other Asian countries and other non-Muslim-majority countries in Africa. Here is Europe's population and North America, lumped with all the Pacific Island countries, including Australia and New Zealand. And finally, Latin America from Mexico south. In each region, let's show the followers of Jesus and the others who identify as Christians. 
Latin America has the highest total percentage of Christians, followed by North America and the Pacific. Europe has many nominal Christians, while non-Muslim Africa has many committed followers of Jesus. Today, China also has many committed followers of Jesus. Other Asian countries average about one-third Christian, including Korea and the Philippines. Some Muslim-majority countries have had Christian people groups for centuries. Of all the large areas of the world, India has the lowest percentage of Christians. As you can see, the Christians are not evenly spread around the world. Today, most Christians live in the Americas, Europe, or Sub-Saharan Africa. In each region, the committed followers of Jesus can renew the faith of the other Christians and can tell the non-believers in their own people groups about Jesus. Let's call these people culturally near non-believers and show them as green. These non-believers are their relatives, neighbors, and co-workers who speak, eat, and dress like them. In China, hundreds of millions of non-believers are now culturally near to followers of Jesus. 40% of the world's non-believers have many Christians in their own people groups who can reach out to them without learning a new language or culture. So their groups are called reached people groups because the good news is spreading there. Believers in China have a challenging job to share the gospel with so many non-believing relatives and neighbors, yet thankfully they can do it in their own language. In the reached people groups, committed followers of Jesus can encourage the other Christians in their families and communities to become fully committed to Jesus. They can also tell the many culturally near non-believers in their own people group about Jesus without learning a new language and culture. Many people in the world live in other ethnic groups which have almost no followers of Jesus who belong in their communities and know their language. They have no chance of learning about new life in Jesus from someone within their own people groups. 60% of all non-believers in the world have few followers of Jesus in their own people group. They are culturally distant from believers. Let's show these culturally distant non-believers in blue. Most of them live in India, Muslim-majority countries in Africa and Asia, or other parts of Asia. They need believers from other people groups to come learn their language and culture and tell them about Jesus. They live in unreached people groups, distinct ethno-linguistic people groups made up of less than 2% followers of Jesus and less than 5% other Christians. Which unreached peoples are the frontier peoples? Some culturally distant non-believers have so few believers that they have no chance of hearing about Jesus from people they know. Let's use a darker color of blue to show those with less than 0.1% Christian in their own people group. About one quarter of the world's population live in frontier people groups, and over 95% of them are in India and Muslim-majority countries. These frontier people groups have no movement to Christ and no breakthrough of indigenous faith. Now is the time to unite what we know with what we do. So we know that the reached people groups have lots of followers of Jesus who can tell them about Jesus. But guess what? We send 30 times as many cross-cultural Christian workers to them as we do to the people in unreached people groups. 30 to 1. 
These workers are not just going out from the West, they're going from everywhere to everywhere. But most of them are sent to work with other churches in their training or outreach programs. Currently, for every 30 cross-cultural Christian workers that go to the reached people groups of the world, roughly one goes to the unreached people groups, including the frontier people groups. As a result, the needs of people in unreached people groups, especially those in frontier people groups, are being grossly overlooked. The remaining mission task is largely in India, Muslim-majority countries, and Asia. We need many more witnesses for culturally distant non-believers in unreached people groups and in frontier people groups. The frontier peoples are still waiting to hear about Jesus for the first time. This is the mission mobilization challenge of our generation. Such a challenge, huh? The task is still unfinished. Remember, there are still many unreached people groups in the world. And what is unreached people groups? So, unreached people group, UPG, is a people group with less than 2% evangelical Christians. We can put also many countries in Europe in this situation, although there's a Christian culture among them. But 7,000 people, groups, with a total, total population of 4.7 billion people, could you imagine, are classified as UPG last January 2023. So we can see this map, and this red point shows us where they are, where uh, are the unreached people groups. You can see most of the people groups here in South Asia. North Africa, and so many places here as well. We have this window. The 1040 window is a rectangular area of North Africa and Middle East and Asia between 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north uh, latitude. And this area is often called the resistant belt and includes the majority of the world's Muslim, Hindus, and Buddhists. Take a look at the statues also of the Bible translation. So it's so nice that today you guys giving a gift to the Wycliffe to continue this important ministry. Because, praise God, so many languages, they, they have the Bible in their own language. But still 2,000 languages waiting for a translation to translate the Bible to their language. Such a blast to have English in different versions, also in Portuguese, but there are so many, so many languages still waiting uh, to have a Bible translate to that language. So the task is huge, and there's still a lot to do. We know that God's mission is still there. Remember God's mission? And now, how to complete this task? How can we should be part of this? Let's see how we can work to complete the task. To join with God in his mission. To glorify himself by redeeming a people from among all peoples and restoring his creation. God is the one ultimately responsible for the fulfillment of the mission. It's kind of relief for us. 
He responsible, finally responsible. Now, it is interesting that he decided to involve his people, to involve us in his mission. Do you see that? So, like, this is Paul's perspective when he said, For we are fellow workers in the service of God. The missions belongs to God. But we are just fellow workers with him in these missions. But how can you get involved? How can you be part of God's mission? Brothers and sisters, we have only two options. Go or send. Go. And as we go, there are two aspects of go. Go here, Norman. Or go. Go there. In fact... Everyone must go. Most of you will go here among those with whom you live, you work with. Others will go there among the unreached peoples. Here, all of you must be involved, must be involved in evangelization among your colleagues at work, school, neighbors, relatives. Among the international students who live here, such a blessing, such a great opportunity, Norman. Thousands of thousands of people from all over the planet. So you all could present the gospel. You all can share the gospel through your life as you live among them. Consider Paul's observation, Colossians 4 or 5. Be wise. In the way you act towards outsiders, non-believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Such a, such a privilege we have to share the gospel among people that we work with, live with, and share this good news. And you can do it. You can go. But there's a place called there. And some, some of you understand that God wants to use him or her among the unreached peoples. Because maybe you can't go. Or maybe you should not go. But some will go. And some have to go. As we can see in the book of Acts, when God called Barnabas and Saul for this mission, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Was it easy? Who God is calling? Two great leaders. Don't be surprised. One day call, God called Pastor Mark and Bruce or ever to go. I'm just kidding. I don't know. But man, some people God will call to leave and go. If you are that person who is going to send out, 
You need to be recognized in the community here. Trained and sent out to do in the ends of the earth what you are already done here. There are many ways you can go to the missions field. You can go as a traditional missionary, totally focused on the ministry, on ministry. However, there are places where you go. You can go only with your professional skills. There are places where it will be more strategic if you have the chance to work with your profession. Because then you will connect more naturally with locals. You could be an English speaker, sorry, English teacher and speaker as well. An engineer, a musician, entrepreneur, health professional, athlete. I don't know, there are endless possibilities. Those who think they should go need to say so with this kind of conviction. God. I will do whatever you call me to do, no matter what it costs to get the gospel to the people who have never heard it. It's not easy to say that. It's, it's, it's simple, just speak now in front of you, but in my heart, and I have from the Lord in many places, but God I will do whatever you call me to do, no matter what it costs, and it costs your, could be your life, to get the gospel to people who have never heard it. So are you ready to say it to God? And some of you say it. Some of you say, yes, Lord, I'm here. But some of you stay but you will participate on this mission. You're sent. Because there are a lot to do. As you send, you can pray. So Jesus helped disciples to understand that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So as a church, we need to pray. Lord, send out workers. Could be myself, I don't know. Could be my kids, my grandkids. Could be our leaders. I don't know, but Lord, send out more workers. Only Him can call and send. You can give. You know that. And some of you are giving generously. You can give. But you can give. We can give. Lord, I want to start up for myself in heavens. Treasures in heaven, not here on earth. So you can invest financially. You can invest in eternity. You can also encourage. Because missionaries, they are not superheroes. It's like you. And like the church in Philippi, they sent Epaphrodites to encourage Paul in his prison in Rome. Such a nice job to encourage missionaries because they're facing sometimes disencouragement, difficulties, suffering, doubts. They're also seeing they're weak, they get tired. So we can encourage them, we can pray for them, can support them, we can visit them 
for them to stay there in the missions field. So, brothers and sisters, you can be a missionary and leave, but you can be a mobilizer and send. So there's a place for everyone. You can go here, and please go here. Share the gospel. You can go there, and maybe some of you go there, but you can pray. You can pray, you can give, you can encourage. I'd like to use John Piper's statement when he said, you have three choices, three choices in the world missions. Be a joyful, a joyful Sacrificial goer, be a joyful, sacrificial sender, or be disobedient. So it's a blast for me and for you. We can go, we can send, we can be part of God's mission. And how we can define God's mission? God's mission is to glorify Himself by redeeming people from all nations and restoring his creation. And now he's calling me, he's calling you to be part of that. So brothers and sisters, our life is so short. Soon we're gone. How can make my life matters to God? How God can use my life, your life, for this purpose in such a way that in eternity we can joyfully Hang out with brothers and sisters for all peoples, for all eternity. Let's pray, Lord. Who's my life? Who's this church? For your purpose, Lord. May all nations get to know you, Lord. We know that you will accomplish this. And our life is so short. how you can use us to spread this good news, Lord, for such a people around us that don't know you and the suffering. And people all over the planet, Lord, they're still waiting to hear for the first time the message, the gospel, Lord. It's difficult to ask. We cannot do by ourselves. We don't, we can't, or we can't. Only you can do it through us. And call people from this church, young people, young couples. I don't know, Lord. You can call to send to the nations. Continue to use the Wildwood Church, this wonderful church for your glory and for the nations in Jesus' name. Amen.